Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I woke up at 5 a.m. Put on my camouflage. Wiped off my 243 and fired up my dodge. Headed out to my old deer stand back in the pines. Gonna get me a 10 point buck with 11 inch tines. I'm a bad And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors for hour number two. Welcome aboard. If you're just joining us, we're doing open lines tonight. We want to talk about what you would like to talk about, whether it's hunting, fishing, conservation, wildlife observations, whatever is on your mind. We'd love to hear from you. The numbers tonight are 571-8484-1-800-444-8484. I do want to reach back out to Chuck, who had a question about some elk hunting down in the mountains, uh, and we got cut a little short from break. Chuck, I hope you're still with us. Uh, basically, what I would like to impart to you is hunt high if you possibly can. It's kind of one of the basic rules when you're attempting to hunt animals in the mountains because it's a whole lot easier to approach from up above than it is to make that torturous climb up to reach an animal, and they will come to you a little easier uh, uphill than down most times. They tend to stage above you on the levels and benches that they have access to, and by hunting high from a good vantage point, you'll have the opportunity, A, to see uh, elk if you've got some open park areas in the forested portions of where you're hunting, and B, it's much easier to hear them and then decide how to move around the mountain to make your descent down to the animal. So I did want to pass that along. I hope that makes good common sense. It's certainly uh, kind of the rules of the road most of the time. If you have a, a great big valley in that area uh, where the elk are feeding, that could be a different scenario. But generally in most of those areas in the mountains, over there, when I've scouted for folks and what have you, I've employed the kind of tactics that I'm I'm passing along right now. Uh, let's go to Scotty, who's been on hold here. Hey, Scotty, welcome aboard. How you doing, Jim? Uh, Scotty, long time, but your first time caller. Uh, I'm heading down Lake Barkley about the latter part of the week. Want to know if you had any information there, or maybe some of your calls or you have. Uh, information on, on bass. Yeah, uh, 
Scotty, uh, Barkley's been uh, pretty slow until about a week or so ago, and then the fish started really gathering on the bait. And with this cool down we're having this week, I really think that'll intensify, and there ought to be fish moving back into the bays. Uh, the corners out on the points ought to be good. And then if if we get a real significant drop in water temperature, and by that I mean uh, right at 70, let's say, as opposed to where it's sitting now, that ought to really rev the fish up. And, and uh, you could do a whole lot worse than fishing, you know, crankbaits and, and uh, some running baits early in the day. Surface baits would be good if the if the baits balled up back in those bays. So this is the time of year, as you know, they start pushing back. And if they're not in the very back early in the morning, I'd move out, you know, accordingly. Are you going to be able to fish early mornings? Yeah, I'll be. Yeah, I'm gonna be down there probably about a week. Oh, are you? Yeah. Well, well you'll see a, a significant increase in activity, I believe, as it progresses. This cold front's moving through there right now. They're actually uh, starting to experience or, or expected to experience some rain this evening. The front will pass through there probably about mid morning tomorrow, and the temperatures are going to drop out significantly. And since we've got such uh, shorter nights now, the water's going to cool down pretty rapidly. I'd say by Thursday or Friday of this week, things ought to really turn towards a, a significant change, and the bait ought to really start balling up. Okay, you think it should be a good top water bite? Uh, it should early and late in the day. It, it definitely should if the bait's there. If you're, if you're not seeing bait, keep moving out. That'd be the key that I would okay, tell you. Start in the back and move out toward the main lake? Yes, sir. That's what I would do. Okay, I appreciate the info, Jim. Yes, sir. Glad to help you you out. Yes, sir. Uh, Let's go to Dan, I believe, who's been holding on. Yes, Dan. Hey, Jim, this is Dan Jackson. How you doing? What in the world are you doing, son? (laughs) I'm trying to finish up my food plots. (laughs) With this rain coming in, I got a late start and just trying to get... uh, trying to get everything done. You know, it's probably a little bit too late, but... You know, I already had to see, so let's get it in the ground. Well, actually, Dan, I, I uh, we've done a lot of planning. Uh, my partners at Wildlife Habitat Solutions and I have been in a big rush for the same reasons you are, and we planted a, oh gosh, I guess eight fields here in the last week or so, and and uh, we planted even later than this last year, and as long as we get some rain here pretty soon, it ought to pop right away. What are you trying to plant? Well, I've got a mixture. Um, I'm planning for bees and deer, um, but there's this Balancha clover that's uh, the frosty Balancha clover that's fairly new. It's my main. Um, I'm experimenting with experimenting with it this year, uh-huh. and I've got it going in with some oats and some winter peas. And and crimson clover. I I'm a big fan of the crimson clover. It comes it comes up super early. Right. Um. And it's one of the first things. It's great for bees because it blooms earlier than any other clover. But it's also there for the turkeys and and the deer as well. So it's it's it serves a great dual purpose for me. Yeah. Well, that's that's a big consideration. And the pollinators definitely need stuff like that. And and the crimson, like you say, boy, turkeys really come to it uh, yeah. early in the season, and that's a, a big draw. So that'll work well. And you're 
What are you mixing it with? Wheat, did you say? Um, mixing it with oats, well, winter, winter oats, oats and okay. uh, winter peas. I see. Well, yeah. you, you may want to consider adding some wheat to the mix. It won't hurt a thing. Uh, maybe just like a light application, bushel and a half to the acre maybe, uh, to mix with that because it'll give them a secondary forage, and it's actually a pretty good nursery for that clover when it comes up next spring. You can mow that wheat and oats off the top, and then the clover has got a real good place to you know, provide a nursery for it to really go gangbusters in the spring. Yeah, yeah, I do like weed, um, but uh, we're surrounded by <clears throat> oh, quite a bit where they overcrop with uh, uh, um, winter rye and some weed. So uh, you know, this is these are like small to it plots; they're not huge. Yeah. Um, so, but anyway, I heard uh, the fellow, I guess, right before the break, hunting the Prestonsburg LEA. Uh huh. Um, that's the one that I was fortunate enough to hunt as well last year, and that's a great property. Basically, he'll take his bull. Um, and my best advice to him is just to continue to drive around, go get out of the truck until you see elk. Okay. Uh, I know it sounds counterintuitive, but that that's a unique property, and you can, um... You can drive. They've got all those um, access roads because of the coal mine there. Um, and there is, after you go through that little conveyor belt, and he'll know what I'm talking about, That's there's like a hunting zone within that coal property. Once you go through that conveyor belt, there's a little knoll on the top um, to the left, not 100 yards, and he can go up there and glass as well, and it's a, that's a great spot to uh um, look out if he wants to try to observe, but <clears throat> that that's a great property. He won't have any problem. Well, good deal. I, you know, it's, it's great to hear from you. I was thinking about you the other day. We were together hunting together when you took your first elk, and and uh, that was a what? that was some kind of <laughs> an adventure in many many ways because it was on the top of the nine one one debacle and. Gee whiz. Well, that, you know, that was a blast. And, you know, that's where we met uh, Mike Willett. And um, I've stayed in touch with him over the years. And um, uh, he's, he's helped me with firearms ever since that trip. And, uh, you know, but it was, there's nothing like, and it was neat to go with you because you've been on those trips before. So you were familiar with it. It was my first time ever. And, um it's a lot of hard work. It's it's more hard work than you think. And um but man, it's just it's God's country and it's just beautiful and experience is just out of this world. It really is. Uh it's a, a kind of a mixed thing. When nine one one anniversary comes around, of course I think about the tragedy, but uh I've got that great hunt we had in the back of my mind. I didn't take a bull on that trip. I was beset by horrible altitude sickness as you recall and Probably shouldn't have been hunting <laughs> as hard as I was, but I thought I had the flu at the time. I, I'm sure you recall that. I, I remember. Yeah, you started off pretty good, and then I, a couple of days into it, it seemed like you, yeah, like you said, almost came down with the flu. But uh, yeah, it. I didn't know how I would react. I heard everybody talking about it, so I guess I just got lucky. Well, you you had a great hunt, and I was more than 
delighted to have you along, and we had a great time. We need to get together sometime soon. That'd be great. Love to see you. How the kids doing? Everybody well? Yeah, my oldest is in college, and the youngest one's singing, and I'm running crazy. Well, <laughs> I understand, buddy. I understand. Well, good to talk to you, Dan. I, you know, I t- I t- another side, I, I never will forget our turkey hunt, too, when I called in your first turkey. <laughs> You know, that's a, that's a whole other story right there. That was great. That was a great hunt. That was a, that was a, uh, what's the right word? A testimony to perseverance, but it, it worked yeah, out. That's what he taught me, uh, turkey patience. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, Dan, it's great to hear from you. Tell the family hello. We will. We'll see you. All right, Bye. buddy. We've got to go to break here, folks. This break is presented by Mossy Oak Properties, Heart Realty, your key to finding an excellent outdoor recreational property or farm. These folks have a tremendous inventory of outdoor properties for sale. Runs the gamut from little cabins on lakes and rivers to big farms and medium-sized wildlife areas where you can manage for your turkey, deer, dove, or duck hunting. Check them out. Look at the listings they've got. It's very impressive. Go to mopharttrealty.com. This is Jim Dickin for Fishing Guides homepage, fghp.com. All the fishing guides and info you need to plan your next fishing vacation. fghp.com, the number one resource on Google for finding fishing guides, local regulations, hotels, bait shops in the U.S. and Canada. fghp.com donates 25% of its income to Freedom Is Not Free, helping families of soldiers wounded in the war on terror. FGHP.com, Fishing Guides homepage. This is Gary Roman. Whenever I'm on Jim's show, I get lots of questions like, what shotgun should I buy? What handgun is best for personal protection? Or what is the best scope for my rifle? There's only one sure answer. Come see us at Firearm Service Center, the one place to go to solve all your firearms problems. Purchase guns, ammo, holsters, and supplies. Whether it's your first firearm or your next custom-built gun, service or repair, come see us at Firearm Service Center, Bardstown Road, in the Eastland Shopping Center, Louisville, Kentucky, or visit us on the web at firearmservice.com. For personal service, there's only one, Firearm Service Center. Welcome back to Jim Strader Outdoors. We're doing open lines tonight. Be glad to handle your call. 571-8484, 1-800-444-8484. The numbers, of course. Let's go to Barbara, who's been hanging on. Yes, Barbara. Yeah, uh, Mr. Strader, thank you for taking my call. And I didn't know if you had any information on observing elk. Um, I had seen a commercial on TV. My husband and I are both recently retired, and we've always talked about, you know, this time of year being able to go out and do some wildlife observations. So I I couldn't remember where that was, and I didn't know if you knew of a website. I've called around different state parks, and you know, somebody who could, like, guide us and, and maybe you know, let us do some wildlife observation this time of year. Okay. Uh, basically, the elk are located in the far eastern part of the state, the area around Prestonburg and Hazard and uh, the Leviza Fork area. Those kind of places are are probably where the biggest concentrations are. That's over in Breathitt, Perrin, Johnson, Martin, Canalese, Pike County, those, those extreme mountainous areas over there. And the best 
advice I can give you for viewing areas, uh, the Department of Fish and Wildlife has an extensive list of those places. Uh, if you contact them, they'll be glad to to tell you, you know, where those areas are, how to access them, and, and uh, get you on board with that. Good deal. Okay. Thank you for taking my call. All right. They have a website. Uh, yes. Yes. It's, it's KDFWR, the, which is obviously the Kentucky Department of Fish and Wildlife Resources, KDFWR. Uh, just Google that, and it'll take you to their site, and it'll let you get in touch with them. I've got a 1-800 number if you have any way of writing it down. Uh, I, I'm on driving. I probably shouldn't be on the phone, so but I'll remember that website, and thank you so much for your time. Very good. I appreciate it. Let's go to West Thomas. It's called back and apparently has a wildlife observation or something you wanted to share, Wes? Yeah, Jim, when I talked to you earlier, it slipped my mind. But yesterday when we were uh, back up on the slow side there in Monroe, uh, we know an area that, that where some eagles have been nesting and what have you. And uh, there was two adult eagles out, and they had an immature bird with them. Uh-huh. And... I just, we really didn't know what was going on, but the immature bird and one of the eagles were kind of flying around, and one of the eagles uh, came down and, and swooped like he was going to get something off the water and actually put his talons out into the water, you know, but really didn't pick anything up. And the birds were kind of calling to one another and carried on, and a little bit the other bird came down and swooped. And they got up and circled, and pretty soon the little the immature bird come down and and uh, hit the water. He didn't hit it very it's hard, but he did come down and and we just figured that that was the they were teaching him uh, what to do. Yeah, we, we really didn't know. Yeah, that's uh that's an interesting thing to observe. I've watched ospreys and eagles do that with their young, where they do continue continual. I guess you call them fly downs to. The water yeah. where they snatch, and, and of course those young they try to do it in the area near the nest to start out, and then of yeah. course they'll they, have a when re- they flew back over, they flew back over by where their nest was at. I mean we we could observe them over there and stuff, but they was it was pretty neat to watch them out there. I think they were giving that bird a, a training session, is what I think. I, I'm sure they probably were, and those young ones in the nest as they start to mature, go to the edge and watch the adults fish. Uh, and, yeah. and snatch prey, and they they learn that, and then when they learn to fly, like you're talking about, the the older ones are still kind of teaching them the ropes and showing them the way to go. I saw that same activity at Taylorsville Lake this week. There was a, a sub adult uh, in the area, and there was an adult eagle doing those flybys and teaching it that. And it's it's a cool thing to watch. Well, I mean, while we were fishing, it was kind of cool to observe that because I, you know. I try to pay attention to what's going on around me and that kind of stuff. Always looking for what the deer are doing or the squirrels or something up on the banks and stuff. But it was sure, sure, uh, a neat thing to see those eagles doing that. Oh, I bet I, I have noticed that the past couple of years we've got more and more eagles staying here in the summer than we used right. to have. I'm sure right. you know right. as much as you're on the water, you're noticing this too. And, right. It's, it's, we see them up at Monroe quite often, especially on the slow side, and we see a few around Patoka, and then uh, we still see a few down on the river, down by you know where we live on the river. There, we still see an occasional one down there too. Well, I, I've seen them this year at Cumberland. I'm trying to think, uh, Dale Hollow, Rough River, Taylorsville, 
Uh, those are the ones that come to my mind where I've seen them, and and uh, they've been very, very active. It's cool to watch them snatch fish, man. It's it's something else. I, I'll tell you a neat little story here before we go to news break about something I saw a year or so ago that blew my mind. There was some osprey nesting on a big watershed lake where I fish, and we were fishing along, and I noticed an eagle coming our way, and I said, I'll be darned, there's an eagle coming in here to fish. And about that time, that osprey took off, gained altitude, and harassed that eagle to death. I mean, it, it was dive-bombing, it, and it, it it was harassing it so much, it actually drove the eagle into some fairly uh, short, dead trees there along the lake, and, and we were in position to ease over there. And, and we actually got right up under the eagle and were able to look at it from very, very close distance. I mean, it wasn't, you know, 40 feet in the air right overhead, <laughs> and he was worried a lot more about that osprey that was harassing him <laughs> than he was us, and that was yeah. a, that was a cool observation as well. Well, I just wanted to share that, and uh, I, I think we had it figured out. I think that boy was giving them a, a training session. Is what I think he was. Doing. Oh, I, I'm sure that's what was going on. That's, they do a lot of that stuff instinctively, but like I mentioned, eagles and osprey are, are very attentive parents. Uh, Right. They have a lot of patience. They're young, stay with them a long time, and they do tend to to teach them those things from the nest and, again, from the roost that they use around the lake as we progress into fall and those, those birds are on the wing. So it's it's a cool thing to observe. I'm glad you got to see that. Yeah. We are too. Well, thanks, Jim. I appreciate it, man. Yes, sir, Wes. Appreciate you. All right, folks, we're going to go to the bottom of our break. Numbers are 571-8484-1800. 444-8484. The break is presented by SMI Marine. They're having their big summer clearance sale right now. Go see them. They'll do a great job getting your boat in shape for fall and winter. And remember, you never get soaked at SMI. anyone who loves the outdoors who doesn't have a dream property in the back of their mind. It might be a secluded cabin on a river or stream, a small farm with lakes or ponds teeming with fish, or a wildlife management property with mixed timber and farm ground loaded with deer, turkey, and other wildlife. Paul Thomason and his family at Mossy Oak Properties Heart Realty can make all these dreams come true. They've been doing so for 36 years. Mossy Oak Properties Heart Realty is located in Munfordville, right in the heart of Central Kentucky's fish and wildlife mecca. They specialize in recreation properties, farms, and lake and riverfront getaways. Make your dreams a reality. Give Paul Thomas at Mossy Oak Properties Heart Realty a call at 270-524-1980 or check them on the web at mophartrealty.com. That's M-O-P-H-A-R-T, Realty.com. If your house was on fire, the most precious possession you would save first would undoubtedly be your family pet. Next to family, they're one of the most important parts of our lives, and that's exactly why I trust my pet's health and happiness to Dr. Kurt Oliver and his staff at Linden Animal Clinic. I know firsthand Dr. Oliver's surgical and diagnostic skills are extraordinary, just what you need when your pet's in need. From the time his nurturing staff greets you at the door, you'll know that Linden Animal Clinic is the place 
to trust with your pets, just like I trust them with mine. Linden Animal Clinic, 1000 Linden Lane, 425-5834, or check them out at lindenanimalclinic.com. And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors. The numbers to reach us tonight are 571-8484 and 1-800-444-8484. We had a caller hanging on earlier that wasn't able to stay with us that was asking about quail reproduction uh, this current season. And from all the indicators I've seen, which are field observations, and, and from talking to farmers that I know that pay attention to these things, They've done a real good job. Uh, several folks have told me about good-sized family groups that were anywhere from a dozen to 18 or so birds. I've had coveys around most of my uh, managed fields for doves uh, where they you know, had a good-sized family group. And it's pretty amazing they did that well because being a ground nester, they kind of run a gauntlet from the rain, uh, very similar to what the doves had, and the doves – Reproduction this time was apparently way, way off base. We've talked about that a good bit the last couple of weeks. But uh, the quail numbers, because of the way their cycle ran, they, of course, nest uh, a little later than turkeys and, and doves. Doves start early. Turkeys, of course, uh, are starting to nest in April. The quail nest in late May and early June. So there's some disparity, or mid-May, I guess I should say, to early June period is is about the peak of their nesting cycle, but they do appear to have pretty good reproduction in the areas where they've got habitat. The big thing holding quail back is habitat on all the farms that I manage and and uh, scout for critters like that. What I've seen is if the cover's there, they seem to magically appear and uh, seem to do pretty well, actually. But the quail numbers statewide are still way, way, way off of what we'd like to see. But the good news on the horizon is with the emergence of so many people planting these warm season grass plots, quail seem to do extremely well with that type of cover on a year-round basis. Quail and rabbits both really flourish in areas that are managed with that as one of the cover uh, crops that, that enables them to get through the winter and and to have sufficient cover for their breeding purposes. So that is the story as I see it that I can pass along about uh, their reproduction effort this time. It appears to be pretty darn good. Um, I did want to mention some things about the nut crop while it's on my mind uh, here because I meant to do it at the start of the program and uh, promised myself that I would talk a little bit about this. I've seen better and better indications that our acorn crop is going to be pretty darn good in most areas this time. Red oaks in particular are doing really, really well. The white oaks are a bit spotty in some areas, but the red oak acorns, for example, in central Kentucky, uh, say from old Mumfordsville down towards Bowling Green and across uh, the state in that band, uh, have really, really good red oak reproduction. Uh, the central part of the state up here in the bluegrass, they're doing very, very well, and they're starting to, to mature and drop already, which is uh, uh, several weeks early, actually, 
and uh, I've been seeing a lot of the critters start to transition to feeding on the deer in particular, but I've noticed raccoons and squirrels and and uh, even wood ducks in the back of the creeks in a lot of our lakes are feeding on those acorns that are dropping already uh, on trees that overhang the water. That's a, that's a real delicacy, and these wood ducks that are starting to gang up uh, getting ready to migrate are really, really keying on those those acorns right now, and, and uh, they love them dearly, and it's something that's important to them for the before they start their migration. So, I uh, also wanted to mention that walnuts are already starting to lose their leaves, and those nuts are ahead of schedule as well. They're starting to mature up pretty well. Some of the trees are already dropping their walnuts. And I've noticed that squirrels are feeding on them, and it's starting to bury some of the walnuts that are dropping right now. And that's, again, a couple of weeks early, so it's something that is uh, interesting to observe and probably says that we may have a pretty rapid onset of really cool fall weather now that we've actually transitioned to the true fall period. We've gone again, I mentioned in the first hour, we're 12 and 12 now, 12 hours of darkness, 12 hours of daylight. Daylight's going to be decreasing as we speak. If you look outside, we've still got a good bit of the program left, and it's starting to get dark. We're at dusk now. So uh, something exciting for me to look forward to. I dearly love October. I, I call it Rocktober because I love to do so many things in that month, and it's my favorite. I love the cool weather. I love the brilliant colors and the leaves. And the critters and the fish are really, really active getting ready for winter. So it's a tremendous time to be out and about. I did mention uh, earlier I'm going to be fishing for hybrids and stripers this week, getting some great reports about those fish getting more and more active. And I think this little cool snap should bring a lot of the bait fish uh, into big schools now. They've been starting to stage for the last week or two, but that activity is intensifying and we talked to a gentleman earlier that's going down to Lake Barkley here in the next week or so and he should catch that at a good time when those bait fish are going to start ganging up and moving towards the creek mouths and back into the creeks and the key to catching fish at this time of year is look for bait if the bait are ganged up there's going to be a lot of predator fish following them and it doesn't matter whether you're talking about white bass black bass uh, stripers whatever these balls of bait that start to really gang in the fall are key to locating big schools of fish and fish that are actively moving about and got the feed bag on. So those are some of the things you want to key on at this time of the year and, and really, really pay attention to. Um, if you're just joining the broadcast here in the second hour, I do want to mention to you bow hunters, there's been a big, big shift in deer behavior with the onset of that full moon that we just went through. That full moon phase took just about all the mature bucks out of velvet. They held velvet a little longer than normal this time. A lot of the bow hunters in Kentucky who enjoy that early September archery season were able to take some real nice deer in velvet, and that lasted a little longer than normal. But now almost all the bucks the mature bucks certainly are out uh, in, a, in a major, major way. I do have some scattered reports of some smaller ones uh, that are still holding 
Velvet, principally down in western Kentucky. I'm really not sure what to make of that, but a bunch of my buddies that run trail cameras said they still got some small forks and, and uh, six-pointers and, and uh, spikes that are still holding velvet, which really kind of surprises me given we've passed the full moon. That's usually got a big influence on that. So we'll keep you posted about that in, in some future uh, broadcasts, but we're we're definitely heading into the period now where there's going to be a big shuffle going on. These bucks are going to start sparring here shortly and not liking their buddies as well as they did when they were in their bachelor group. So it's a great time of year to observe all these shifts that take place. Let's go to Tom, who's been on hold. Uh, yes, Tom, welcome aboard. Yes, Tom, can you hear me? I can, yes. Yes, sir. What have you got for us this evening? I, I don't get a chance to listen to the show very often. I love it, but nevertheless, the, you were talking about trees and you were talking about fish. And how familiar are you with catalpa worms? Well, uh, pretty familiar. I use them for bait. Oh, uh, yeah. I love to. Well, this year was real odd. There's some years I don't have them. I've got several catalpa trees. They came twice this year, about three weeks apart. I wonder what the reason for that was. I'm really not sure. The The trees that I keep track of are fairly close to my home, and they they were a little later than usual uh, right. in, in my area, but they were very, very uh, profuse, actually. They, there was a lot of them on the trees that had them. Some of the trees didn't have any this time, and I don't know what in the world that variance would be because I'm talking about trees that are within several hundred yards of each other. Uh, right. Just didn't have any, but the trees that had them had a, a lot of them, and I guess I don't know what would cause that variation exactly, Tom, in, in that timing. It it could be, you know, temperature range. It could have been the, I don't know, the amount of rain uh, that, yeah. that kind of – Caused them to emerge a little bit later. I'm really not really, sure. I'm not either. It was really odd. They they really cleaned the leaves off of two or three trees and left the others alone. Well, and then about three weeks, almost a month later, there comes another big batch, and they just they just cleaned the the leaves off of them. It was there was it was a huge huge growth of. Uh, I mean, don't I didn't really pay as much attention to them as what you're talking about. I always, you know, watch for them and and try to determine if there's going to be a lot of them in a in a given year. And and I, I meant to get a bunch of them and put them in uh, Ziploc freezer bags to save for catfish bait for next spring. Oh yeah, uh, put, put them in cornmeal. Yes, sir. It helps them keep from getting frosted up, as you but, apparently well no, I, know. They'll actually move when you thaw them out. Is that right? Yes, sir, buddy. They're great. Well, they're they're a a real real strong attractant for catfish and bluegill like them. And as you know, they're tough, stay on the hook very well. So yeah, exactly. You know, there that's an interesting uh, scenario with those catalpa trees because you, you would think that those uh, worms stripping all that vegetation that way would injure those trees, but. It, it doesn't harm them a bit. They come back in full leaf the next year. And, well, they're, they're actually, so, a lot of them are almost back in full leaf. Oh, really? From, from losing, yeah, from losing them this summer. It's really odd. I would have, have to rake the big things. but. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sir. Thank you. 
Appreciate yeah. you. Yes, sir. I appreciate your observation and, and uh, glad you called us. We got to go to break here, folks. To reach us for the rest of the program, call us at 571 8484 8484 This break is presented by Mossy Properties, Hart Realty in Munfordville, Kentucky. Paul Thomas is the broker there. He is a lifelong hunter and fisherman, has a tremendous inventory of outdoor properties for you to look at. Check them out on the web at M-O-P-H-A-R-T realty.com. Gun World and Archery Pro Shop in Corydon, Indiana is ready to help you gear up for hunting season. The new bows from Matthews, Hoyt, Elite, Bowtech, and Bear are in and their pro staff is eager to help tune and accessorize your equipment. They also carry 10-point Excalibur, PSE, Parker, and Barnett crossbows. They're stocked up loads of new deer rifles that meet the specs for Indiana's new deer hunting regulations, too. Gun World and Archer Pro Shop, Highway 62 North in Corydon, across from John Deere. I'm very passionate about wildlife. That's why I've teamed up with two extremely talented and knowledgeable wildlife managers, Shane and Caleb Butler, to form a new company, Wildlife Habitat Solutions. Our team has more than 80 years combined experience doing habitat evaluations, food plot and warm season grass plantings, and hands-on management to make all your wildlife dreams come true. Check us out on Facebook at Wildlife Habitat Solutions or call us at 270-537-5739. And I love that forecast Brother Darling just gave. It's turning the corner, folks, and I'm dead ready for it, and you probably are as well. The numbers to reach us tonight, 571-8484, 1-800-444-8484, and you'll be able to reach us as Matt has done. Yes, Matt, welcome up. Thanks, Jim. Hey, I had a question about muzzle loading, and I'm new to it, and need some advice on on the black powder what what do you recommend for a novice well i like the pellets because they're already quantified you know exactly how many grains you're getting uh it's what i use i use the triple seven there's a lot of other things out there but the pellet uh configurations work extremely well and it's it's just so easy you know you you know, what you see is what you get, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And if you're in a situation where you have to reload quickly uh, for a second shot, for example, uh, it makes it real, real easy to do. And it's it's I just think the the best way to go, especially if, if muzzleloading isn't your specialty, um, I've, I've just decided for my purposes that the, the pellets are what work for me. My gun shoots them well and. Most of them do. There's a lot of other things out there that can give you some extended range and whatnot, but if you're just starting in it, I'd encourage you to start out with the the pellets and and then progress to another type if that's what suits your fancy. So you say triple seven? Is that that like a brand of it? Yes, uh-huh. That's a brand. Okay. All right. That's what I go with then. I appreciate it. All right, sir. I, I appreciate your call. I know... We'll be having a lot of questions about muzzle loaders as we move into October, closer to that season. And I'll certainly intend to have Gary Roman, our master gunsmith, who does gun talk with us. He's is a frequent guest. He'll be on to, to answer a lot of those types of questions. But the pellets work well for me, and they, they perform extremely well in, in a variety of conditions. And 
I'm a guy that likes easy. I'm a low tech redneck and <laughs> anything that can take that uh computation out of the equation for me is something I gravitate towards and and uh, there's certainly a lot of other things you can use out there, but uh, I like the pellets. It's just easy and quick and and uh you know, you can carry them in your little ditty bag there and, and have them ready and you know you don't have to measure anything and you're ready to roll. So that would be my best advice on that. We were talking earlier about uh, the acre drop, and I want to continue on that subject for a minute because it's something that's going to really enter into the hunting equation for bow hunters going forward. And I'm thinking a lot about the folks in Indiana on that sunny side of the river who obviously are a big part of our audience they're going to open about the time when that acorn drop is going to really be at rock and roll. Um, it's started here in the last week or so, uh, maybe going back two weeks if you're talking about down in the western part of the state. And it does tend to uh, scatter the deer a good bit and take them out of the areas where they've been easy to observe. For instance, the bean fields are starting to yellow up a lot. First crop beans are being harvested as we speak, for example. Uh, so they're not going to be much of a draw. A lot of the cornfields are opened up now. The farmers are, are shelling corn all over the region. And so the areas where you would normally see deer in a big way, in many cases, are going to be a little bit devoid of them. So what this means is you've got to get back in the woods and scout and look for the areas where the deer are uh, feeding on the acorns, and and one of the things that gets neglected a lot at this time of the year, especially in some of the flat ground and some of the ridge tops, uh, which seems odd when you're talking about both those things together, but I would encourage you to look for isolated water holes. Deer use a lot of water when they're feeding on acorns. Uh, They need to take it in to help them digest. And the late morning period when they're uh, getting ready to go to bed is one of the key times that they'll go to water and they'll go again in in mid to late afternoon on their way to the acorn flats. And if you've got access in those areas to a water hole and start looking for sand and see a lot of deer uh, sand around that water, that can be a real target place for you that'll eliminate a lot of the random movement that you see on the acorn flats here in in October. The good news is these acorns are available right at the perfect time to help these deer fatten up for the rut in the coming winter period. And they've had excellent, excellent forage all spring and summer. Uh, The deer are probably in as good a body condition going into this fall period as I've seen in a long, long time. And uh, a lot of these bucks as we've mentioned in previous broadcasts, are carrying tremendous mass in their antlers. Uh, They're just really, really in good shape. So as this weather cools down, they're going to increase their their foraging and and their feeding periods. And, again, if you can find some isolated water, that's one of the things that I would really encourage you to pay attention to. Uh, The bucks are out of velvet long enough and starting to, build up testosterone to the extent that a lot of these water holes that have willow around them, you'll see rubs. Uh, The bucks are starting to spar with light type of stuff like that. 
And uh, if you see buck rubs around there, you better pay attention because there's probably a bad boy using that water hole, and, and that can be a key to, to harvesting a buck early in the season. We're going to see a big shift in behavior, obviously, uh, from these deer as we approach the middle part of October. I think by mid-October, you're going to start to see some pretty uh, visible scrape activity starting. I look forward to start a little earlier this year than normal, and some of those first scrapes to open up are a signpost of a mature buck. Uh, a lot of times their testosterone buildup causes them to start doing this scraping a little earlier. So if you're in an area where you know a lot of deer are feeding and there's a, a place where you've noticed scrapes in the past, I'd encourage you to look for them. One of the things to look for in these oak flats when you're scouting is the presence of rubs and or scrapes because these bucks, by the time the season opens in Indiana at the 1st of October, they're going to start exhibiting a lot more of that type behavior, so it's something to to definitely look for. I want to talk to you fishermen a moment about the bait fish movement and the crawfish movements, which are two very important things that occur right about now. The crawfish are migrating uh, to move towards areas where they're going to winter. And the areas where you got clay and mixed rock on these banks are a great place to search for them. They're a real sucker for a tube bait that imitates a slow-moving crawfish, and that's a great lure of, of choice. A uh, pig and jig is another good choice. And also look for areas with aquatic vegetation that's receding. The crawfish will follow those receding weed lines and uh, be in in and around a lot of those spots. The other thing to key on in a big way is bait fish, concentrations of bait fish. We talked about that quite a bit in the first hour, but that's what's going to be the draw to draw these schools of bass up that will start cruising. These fish are usually in the two to four pound class and bigger, so they're really nice fish to target. And when they notice and start to follow these balls of bait, it can be a magic time. It's one of the best times of year to to be on the water, and I certainly mean to enjoy a bunch of that myself. If you're a squirrel hunter, there's no better time than the next three to four weeks because squirrels are going to the ground now. They're just starting to, and that'll increase, and they're really rambling. The family groups are breaking up, and it's a good way to scout for deer. So enjoy visiting with you tonight. We'll be here next week. Same place, same time. The key to enjoying the outdoors is safety. Be careful out there, people. See you next week. Adios, everybody. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.